Hey everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I am James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. On this show, we are going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until we die. Because I think that actually we're both going to die before the end of time Mm -hmm. uh, and before the MCU ends. Or at least right. the, us, the scenes in the MCU end. That's right, my yeah. that's my guess. That's my Las Vegas bet right there. Right. That's uh, your bet to win the, 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 uh, the Timeline Scavengers merch. Yes. Oh, 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 okay. Now, hang on. I know we need to get into the episode, but you've said something interesting. I wonder if we could take bets on how many episodes we think it will take us to get through the MCU... Again, knowing that it could basically never end, at least not within the next 20 years, basically. Uh, how many scenes that would be, how many episodes that would be, how many we get through before either both of us die, maybe, or if it's like before we just go, unfortunately, we're going to have to end the show. Like, we're just simply yeah. too old. We got through as much of it as we could. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know where that is so or where that line Star-Lord. is. Star Lord turns to mantis and says <laughs> and it's like and it's still just 2019 you know it's like we're still so far behind like uh. and then the black panther hey james wake up we'll you, fell asleep. Oh. you fell asleep again during the middle of the thing you gotta finish the episode this is the music of 2015, Billy. Like talking to our grandkids that are in the room with us. You don't know nothing about the 2015 Blink 182. Do you ever think about that though? Like we're probably not necessarily going to do the music stuff for every year because some of them will probably not be there long enough. But do you ever think about right. how we might get to a point where we actually do like a music of, I don't know, let's just say 2010. Colin. And we yes, end up hitting like a song or a band that we listen to still all the time. Yeah, Colin. That's kind of Absolutely cool. I have. Of course I have. That's very exciting. Yes, 100%. Have I been thinking about what I'm going to do and in what way I'm going to incorporate the date and like where in the world it's taking place and like the hits that would be Oh, uh, that's in... yeah, that's your alley for sure. <laughs> all right. But now let's return Yep, okay, right, going back in time, just like Whoa. the Agents of Whoa. S.H.I.E.L.D. did to 1931. Exactly, exactly. All right, so this is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, season uh, seven, episode mm-hmm. one. Um, oh, okay. And this is, uh, you're going to start at 34 minutes even and end at 34 minutes, 34 seconds. If, okay. the, if 34 is your lucky number, this is the episode for you. You know, you know or timestamp. All right, so here's the synopsis. <laughs> of this clip. FDR sits at a table while Johnson and Coulson look on. Daisy is concerned. FDR is too exposed. Phil is what they called him in the in the Wikipedia. I, I guess. <laughs> that is that true. <laughs> it's just no one really ever calls him Phil other than May. <laughs> right. Uh, he says that um, the Chronicoms don't want to be seen killing, to be seen killing FDR. So this is a talking up, talking a little talking scene. They're sort of like, "Hey, boy, let's not let FDR get assassinated." I agree with you, Phil. 
thanks days she's like don't call me that um so uh what i decided to look up is if anyone had tried to kill fdr and how that went and did they do it in public and what was that story so here we go it's story time let's learn about giuseppe zangara so this okay i'll start the tiktok account real quick um this will probably be like what three four parts yeah uh yeah you said story time yeah story story time so uh hashtag 1900 all right um okay so uh this guy giuseppe zangara was born in 1900 in italy um ferrazzano calabria of course you know if you were sort of looking for that uh that tourist thing um he was in the uh he was in world war one uh he did a, a variety of menial jobs in his home village before he moved to the united states in 1923 and settled in patterson new jersey he became a naturalized citizen of the united states in 1929 on february 15th 1933 which means that it is literally two years and two days after where we are in 1931 uh, FDR was giving an impromptu speech at night from the back of an open car in the Bayfront Arena, uh, sorry, in the Bayfront Park area of Miami, Florida. Uh, Zangara was working the occasional odd job and living off his savings, so he decided that he was going to kill the president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> millennials. Zangara armed. <laughs> with armed with a 32 caliber U.S. revolver company pistol he had bought for eight dollars, which is uh, 160 dollars in 2020. So it feels um, accurate still. Yeah. Um, at a local insanely shop. easy then, insanely easy now, right? For sure. Yeah. They 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 said, "Are you a citizen?" And he's like, "Yes." And they're like, "Great. Here's your defense uh, defense iron." And he's like, a "What?" And they're like, "Gun." All right. So. Uh, <laughs> So he joined a crowd of spectators and he was, uh, but see, here's the thing, Colin. Here's, there's two culprits in why FDR wasn't assassinated by this man, Giuseppe Zangara. Okay. One we'll get to in a second. The other we're going to get to right now. This man was five feet tall. Uh, Which he was one? About Sorry. Meet, uh, Giuseppe Zangara. Okay. This, the, the would-be assassin was fi- a good five feet tall, a meter and a half. He couldn't see over uh, the other people in the crowd. So what he decided to do was stand like you do when you have this trouble. You stand on a wobbly metal folding chair. Mm. The wobbly metal folding chair, the hero of this story. Uh, so he oh, the Secret Service, right? Exactly. The they, they enlisted the wobbly. Right, exactly. They gave it the WMFC award for uh, service to its country. All right. So Agent um, Wobble he, report status. <laughs> you're a loose cannon and a wobbly chair (laughs) but Um, by god you get results (laughs) (laughs) i love you wobbly um okay so what's weird is this has been so documented that they know he was peering over the hat of this woman named lillian cross shouldn't have anything to do with the story but she was standing in front of him (laughs) okay so he um wanted to get a clear aim at his target um he now Lillian Cross may be a man. I'm not positive, but anyways, they didn't call her Mrs. Lillian or Mrs. Like Greg Cross. So I think mm-hmm. Lillian might have been a man. Anyways, so he shot once, and then Lillian Cross and others immediately grabbed his arm, and he fired four more shots wildly. Now he was on a wobbly chair, so the first one was still pretty pretty wild. So in this, uh, five people were hit. Uh, Mrs. Joseph H. Gill, presumably she had a name of her own, but she was married to Joseph Gill. 
Miss Margaret Cui of uh, Newark, New Jersey. New York detective slash bodyguard William Sinnott. Russell Caldwell of Miami. And Chicago Mayor Anton Cermak, who was standing on the running board of the car next to Roosevelt. The intended target Roosevelt was unharmed. Completely unharmed. Um, so uh, he held the mayor in his arms because executive, you know, executives be holding each other in their arms. Uh, he cradled him gently in his arms as the car rushed to the hospital. After arriving there, Sir Max spoke to Roosevelt and allegedly uttered the line that is engraved on his tomb. I'm glad it was me, not you. So, yeah. Um, the Tribune reported the quote without attributing it to a witness. And most scholars doubt that was ever said. But it makes the guy look great. So, you know, that's okay. fine. Can I ask you something, though? Yeah. Okay. Let's say. <laughs> I wish it was you, not me. We'll, we'll okay. switch that net and post. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Post more. Um, so let's say we are doing a live show. Yeah. In the state of Virginia or something, right? Okay. Some guy doesn't like that we complained about Iron Fist being whiny. He pulls out a gun because you were going to say Iron Fist being white. Oh, well, well, yes. Also, there should be a conversation about that. Uh, but he says, stop trying to take this from all that. You're like, just make new characters. Right. And then, you know, gets upset about it. He shoots a gun. We both try to dodge, but you know, I still get the bullet. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, or no, no, hang on. No, okay. So because of the way I have to ask this question, you get hit. Okay, so you get hit by the bullet, Great. right? I'm, you know, just like this, right? I'm cradling you, right, in right. in the back of the ambulance, whatever. We're going to the hospital, and you're you're not going to make it. And so you say nothing to me. Yeah. Right. You die, and I yeah. walk out, and I'm like, I am so heartbroken by one of my best friends in the entire world passing like this. Yeah, you know, I talk about it for a little bit, and then I say his final words to me were, "I'm glad it was me, not you," right? Yeah. Okay. Now imagine you're an onlooker, listening to me say this. Would you a then say, "Wow, what a great guy!" Like that James was, and like that this guy must be incredible because James yeah. said that to him, or would you be like, mm, "Kind of feel yeah. like that's a that you made that up, and you're a piece of shit." <laughs> Because to me, it would be the latter. And so it's weird that FDR, if that was something he made up, like if yeah. that wasn't actually said, it's weird that FDR said, you know what would get people to like me? Is to say that this man was like all about him getting shot versus me. Fucking win-win. You know what I mean? I'm glad it was me and not you. And boy, can you for sure definitely walk. That's what he said. I don't know. I don't know. That's what he, he said. said to me. Who knows polio is a hoax. And then <laughs> said, I saw, I heard about it online. Give me some ivermectin. And then uh, that was the end of him. And uh, actually, just to go back a little bit, you know that my last words to you would be like, <coughs> Colin, a podcast where we talk about everyone's last words. <laughs> Here's and how mine. they 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 line up with the songs of Fleetwood Mac in 1977. <laughs> what were you, what would your final words be in that moment? Um, Besides that, you make podcasting fun. Okay, how would that line Fleetwood up with Mac. 1977 Fleetwood Mac? There's a Fleetwood Mac song called "You Make Lovin' Fun," and okay. um, yeah, that would be 
it'd be off the dome, so it'd be kind of sure. an easy just titular reference. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that would be that would be it. Okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh, I this time the situation is backwards. I get okay. hit. My yeah. final words to you were. I lied. I actually have so many regrets. Oh God, the yeah. regret is probably going to be what actually kills me, and then I die. How does that relate to 1977 Fleetwood Mac? Well, see, here's the thing. You were not thinking about tomorrow. You didn't go thinking about tomorrow. You went thinking about yesterday. So you followed the instructions of the song, don't go thinking about tomorrow. So excellent. All right. It's, it's working well. Um, okay, <laughs> hang on. Let's do one more. I'm going to look up famous last words before welcome, dying. Welcome to Fatality Wood Mac, the podcast about famous last words and the rumors associated with them. Okay. James Donald French's final words were, how's this for your headline? Um, I'm just secondhand news. That's the first track on rumors. I'm just secondhand Damn. news. I'm just secondhand news. Okay, Beethoven, friends applaud. The comedy is over. Um, the, um... I mean, the whole album is about a breakup, but like, um, uh, what is it? Um, you can go your own way. You know, he was like, just, you know, it's over. Just head out. Everyone leave. You can go your own way. So real quick, I did yeah. click on this thing that was giving me the, the quotes. Uh, I did find out a little bit more about something that we just talked about. James Donald French, there was actually a little bit that was cut off on the Google search. Yeah. It, the line was, how's this for your headline, French fries, because he was electrocuted to death right. uh, because he was a convicted murderer uh, right. and did kill a cellmate. So they hey, electrocuted Colin. him. He was the last person to be executed out of the death penalty in Oklahoma. So hey, hey, does Colin, it still? Colin. Yeah. Cap capital punishment. Yeah. Glad I stopped you for that one. All right, go ahead. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, here's someone we've mentioned before in 1931. Humphrey Bogart said, Bogart, why did I say it? Bogart, Bogart, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I said Bogart. Uh, <laughs> I should never have switched from scotch to martinis. I don't know. I think that one would stump me. I think that one would be, oh. that, that would be, a, that would be a, a Wikipedia lyric search uh, away from that one. Okay, final one, just because I want you to end on a win. Uh, okay. Marie Antoinette said, Pardon me, sir. I meant not to do it. And then, uh, yeah. The 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 thing is that uh, Marie Antoinette wouldn't have died if she had uh, just you know never broken the chain. So it's uh, it's it you know it's her own fault for you know to be to be fair. It is frustrating when I do the thing that you do to me, which is and what's one more, <laughs> and you succeed at it, and I always flounder. <laughs> How how dare you, sir? But also, well, that was very good. Thank you, thank you. I am really uh, impressed and pleased that you were like, okay, those would be your dying words. Let's do it, <laughs> motherfucker. Let's. <laughs> well, I'd have to do the podcast on my own, though, right? If if those were your yeah. final words and then you died, ooh, yeah. that would be harder for me to do. I yeah. think. Yeah, my ghost would haunt you and mess up your your recordings oh. and stuff. It'd be like, it'd be like James, stop it. And I'd be like, unplug. James, come on. My guest would be like, I don't know what your deal is. This is a little much for my blood. 
All right. So, um, uh, Zangara confessed in the Dade County Courthouse Jail, stating, I have the gun in my hand. I kill kings and presidents first and next all capitalists. He pleaded guilty to four counts of attempted murder and was sentenced to 80 years in prison. As he was led out of the courtroom, Zangara told the judge, four times 20 is 80. Oh, judge, don't be stingy. Give me 100 years. So he was yeah. the uh, he was the John Bender of attempted assassins. Like, <laughs> can I just say, listen, I'm not saying FDR like deserved an attempt or anything like that, but this guy, pretty fucking cool, actually. <laughs> like the start of the story, I was like, man, that's kind of lame. Okay, that's lame. That's unfortunate. That uh, this guy really didn't do much, but his words in the courtroom, fucking baller. I'm like, yeah. Give me a hundred. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. Right. And also being like, I'll do it again. Down with the capitalists. Like, damn, this guy's kind of based. All right. All right. All right. All right. So Cernak, Cernak died of periotinitis 19 days later. So he didn't die then. He died 20 days, 19 days later. What? Hang yeah. on. Stop. Hang on. Didn't even get close to a hundred years. What is this thing that he died of? No, no, no. The mayor died of. Uh, died 19 days later. Okay, sorry. I, did I the thought same you meant thing. he died. No, I did that the was same nuts. thing. I thought Cermak was dead two paragraphs up when he said that you're too, awesome so FDR, that, vote okay. FDR as my last words. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so he, two days after Roosevelt's inauguration, which means that now Zangara is a murderer because now the guy's dead. Um, it says Zangara was promptly indicted for first degree murder because he had intended to commit murder. Uh, neither the fact that his intended target may not have been the man he ultimately killed, nor that Cermak's death was in part the result of medical malpractice because of the peritonitis thing. Yeah. Uh, it, not, neither of those, uh, those is relevant. You intended to commit murder. A guy died. You were there. Right. First degree murder. And so, you did shoot him, technically. You did. Right, now, yeah. real quick, what is the, the thing that he died? What is it? Let's see. Uh, say it again. Per peritonitis. What is that? And, Peritonitis. It is a redness and swelling of the tissue that lines your belly or abdomen. Abdomen. The tissue is called the peritoneum. So how does so that cause death? It is a serious, deadly disease. It oh. ca it's caused by a leakage or hole in the intestines, such as from a burst appendix. Oh. Even though the fluid is sterile, inflammation can occur. So oh, see, when you just said that. it was inflammation, I was like, that doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. That sounds yeah. fucking terrible. N now think about it in 1933. You know that they were probably like, um, what <laughs> if I poke it? I'm not sure. Did that cure it? Did I cure it? Let me get in there. Like, <laughs> what if I play Little Lower for Nanny near it? Is that a thing? All right. The common um, 1933 doctor phrase, let me get in there. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> like genuinely, I do think unfortunately that is how most medical science like discoveries were made. So, but so it's not. Right. It's like not great that that is probably true. They went, hmm, kind of gross. Let me get in yeah. there. <laughs> I'll right, exactly, it out. exactly. Um, it's funny. Let me get in there is either incredibly reckless or how you discover stuff, and it's just like, you know, just depends. There's a fine line between the two of them. <laughs> exactly. It's the peritoneum of uh, of meaning. All right. So, um, in either case, he would still be guilty of first degree murder under the doctrine of transferred intent. So he pleaded guilty to the additional murder charge and was sentenced to death by circuit court judge Yuli Thompson. After hearing this sentence, 
your guy Zangara, which I only say your guy because of the cool quotes that you like from him. He says, "You yeah. give me electric chair. I know afraid of that chair. You are one of you one of capitalists. You is crooked man to put me in electric chair. I no care." James, you gotta so do now, you gotta do the the hand motion. The Italian. I don't want to do the fingers. hand motion because I'm worried that that was oh. like a, an, a a white journalist being like Italian guy, huh? Well, I know how they talk, um, but I mean, maybe okay, not. Look. I, I'm like, what? I, I don't know how the math works on this. I think I'm like, what? Like one eighth, right? Okay. Italian? Yeah. So, for sure. you know, I'm somewhere for in sure. there. I feel like I've got enough street cred to say, you can say that with the like, right. oh, gotcha. you know, but also give it a little bit of that, you know, New York sound. He's, I'm going to do like, I'm going to take a, a, a page from Golden Girls. And he said all that. And he just did the like, like oh, the yeah, Sophia. The, just, yeah. Just like under the chin. Can, sort can, of you, hear, can right. you hear this in the mic? Yeah. Let me. There you go. That was my beard. Yeah, that's, probably, that's actually right. probably audio hell for everyone that might get cut. <laughs> All right. Under Florida law, a convicted murderer could not share sp cell space with another prisoner before his execution. But another convicted murderer was already awaiting execution at Rayford, the jail he was at. So Zangara's sentence required prison officials to expand their waiting area and the death cell became death row. So. Oh, Yeah. Damn, so he started that? <laughs> what a fucking because, little trendsetter. Because of the wobbly chair, he started Death Row. Yeah. Death Agent Row Records wobble, started by. You've done it again. <laughs> exactly. All right. So after spending only 10 days on Death Row, Zangara was executed. Oh, those were the days. Um, Zangara was executed <laughs> on March 20th, 1933. Um, uh, in Old Sparky, the electric chair at Florida State Prison. Zangara became enraged when he learned no newsreel cameras would be filming his final moments. His final statement was, Viva Latalia, goodbye to all poor peoples everywhere. Push the button, go ahead, push the button. This dude, okay, look, I know it sounds weird to say this about someone who, is, who attempted an assassination, but this dude kind of fucking rules. James. Yeah. Yeah. How am I not supposed to hear that sentence and and like and not like root for that guy to be like, damn, somehow I kind of hope he lives. I don't know right. how, but like I kind of hope he makes it. That's well, fucking. That cool. leads me into the the this trans transitions me very nicely into just a couple of appearances that Zangara has made in uh, pop culture. Him see you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not that. Um, no. I did look, of course. Um, he is. Uh, he plays a significant role in the background provided for Philip K. Dick's 1962 novel *The Man in the High Castle*, as well as the you know TV show, uh, the alternate history novel set after the Axis victory in World War II, bases the point of divergence on the premise that Zingara succeeded in assassinating the president rather than president-elect sometime in 1934. So uh, that whole show is based on uh, basically fixing the wobble, um, and then. Uh, <laughs> There's another uh, fantasy novel, Spellbound, uh, which features Zangara's attempted assassination of Roosevelt. He is magically enhanced in a plot to inflame bigotry and curtail the civil rights of the magically gifted protagonists of the Grim, Grim Noir Society. Instead of using a small caliber handgun, Zangara is made into a living cannon or bomb and kills nearly 200 onlookers, including Cermak and cripples Roosevelt. Jeez. Uh, so that's Spellbound by Larry Correa. Uh, C-O-R-R-E-I-A, not like the country. Right. Um, and finally, uh, in a 2013 episode of the television series The Newsroom, Zangara's attempt to assassinate Roosevelt is presented as an example of how one thing can change everything. 
Anchorman Will McAvoy, played by Jeff Daniels, describes how if the chair Zingara had been using had not been wobbly, he would have succeeded in killing President-elect Roosevelt. Vice President-elect John Nance Garner, who opposed the New Deal, would have been sworn in as president on Inauguration Day, scheduled for 17 days after the assassination attempt. Thus, the drama suggests, if not for a wobbly chair, the New Deal would not have been able to resolve the Great Depression. So That's wild. Yeah. Also, very funny because like that was going to be the next thing I said, which was like to try to finish out my thoughts on the scene and what you've just told me yeah. was just going to be simply that like they should have known in that moment that they weren't going after FDR because if they were like, we're going to take out FDR, the level of work they had to do was minimum. They had to yeah. go to 1933 and then just put a better chair down and go. All right, we're done. Well, and just that's walk it. away. That's it. <laughs> See you forever, Shield. Right? Like that. That's like that's all they needed. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So, like when they uh, went to 1931, we're like, wait, this is that. Mm, that <laughs> feels like, like too. 1933 early. would have made sense, but 1931, I'm I'm completely. I have no idea. <laughs> Are we positive it's for FDR? <laughs> you know. All right. Um. Which uh, moves me into, oh, by the way, uh, so they're like, we don't, they probably don't want to um, kill FDR in public. I like to think that the subtext is because the, the guy that did that in, in our timeline uh, did not succeed. So, um, but, pro- but maybe not, but pro- probably not, but possibly. All right. Uh, all I have left is the music of 1931, if that is where you are. Uh, hang on, let me check my timeline. Yes, that's where I'm at. Okay, good. All right, so we're talking about the song uh, would you like to take a walk by Annette Hanshaw? Um, Feels wrong to do that on an FDR episode, but okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Yep. Sure. Yep. All right. Yep. Sorry. All right. Now I made you into a bad guy, but go ahead. Go for it. Let's the hear it. The RNG truly the wobbly chair of this episode. Look, um, FDR's not around to make a fuss about it. Exactly, so, right. you know. He can't stand for. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, Catherine Annette Hanshaw was an American jazz age singer, jazz age, jazz age singer. Uh, she was one of the most popular radio stars of the 1930s. Over 4 million of her records had been sold by 1934. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm listening. I promise I'm listening. <sighs> oh, no. All right. <laughs> All right, so she only had a 10-year recording career. She literally started in 1929 and was done by the end of the 30s. And she w- she sold, uh, she recorded over 250 songs. Uh, in, na- in 1934, a poll conducted by Radio Stars Magazine, she received the title of Best Female Performer Singer. Uh, Bing Crosby was voted the best male popular singer. So she's basically the Bing Crosby of uh, of female singers. Um, she began performing on the radio in 1929. In the early 1930s, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. I'm, I'll, be, I'll mute myself. But I want you to respond, not be no, laughing. No, well, there's nothing to respond to yet. I'm listening. Okay. I'm just also laughing. Right. Colin thinks it's completely normal to be incredibly popular for 10 years and then just go away. All right. So, uh, and <laughs> All right. Uh, she began performing on the radio in 1929. In the early 1930s, she sang on the air with Glenn Gray's Casa Loma Orchestra. From 1932 to 1934, she was featured on the popular Thursday evening radio program Maxwell House Showboat. 
she made her only appearance on film in the 1933 Paramount short Captain Henry's Radio Show. And her music career ended on December 6, 1937, after a performance on the Chevrolet Music Moments Review. So that's that 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 was all she did. But she again, she sold uh, four million records by 1934. So that is I feel like that's a lot for 1931. A lot. I agree. So one of the records she recorded was Would You Like to Take a Walk, uh, which is a popular song, music by Henry Harry Warren and lyrics by Mort Mort Dixon and Billy Rose. It was added to the 1930 Broadway show Sweet and Low, starring James Barton, Fanny Bryce, and George Jessel. They the made a show about in... sugar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, frankly, yeah, they, you know, Broadway was basically the podcast of its time, so they were like, you know, whatever. Here's hey, an ad. Bro- Casper Mattress. No. A Broadway show where uh, the song was published in 1930 by Remick Music Corporation, uh, and it was recorded by former... Music of 1931 uh, people, Rudy Valley and his Connecticut Whoa. Yankees in 1931. Uh, Roy Fox and his band featuring Al Boley on what? vocals recorded on April 21st, 1931. Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong recorded the song for Decca in 1951, accompanied by the Dave Barber Orchestra. It was later included on Ella's Decca album, Ella and Her Fellas, which is cool. And then Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney recorded the song for their radio show in 1958. So that is one, two, three, four former 1931, music 1931 people recording this song, Would You Like to Take a Walk? Um, and finally, this weird sub-show within this segment, What Cartoon Was It In? Um, that we've that we've stumbled upon. It plays in the 1939 Porky Pig cartoon, Naughty Neighbors, and the 1942 Daffy Duck cartoon, The Daffy Duckaroo. It can be, it that can also be heard. Close. <laughs> that that, that also, was a close call on that one. <laughs> it also can be heard in the background of 1945's State Fair. So that is, would you like, a ta- would you like to take a walk by uh, the uh, Beatles of the 1930s, uh, Annette Henshaw? And that wow. is the music of 1931. Yep. That was action packed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Laugh a minute. Well, with that, James, I think that all yeah. that's left to do is to wobble on over to the social media. Wibble wobble, wibble wobble. So if you want to find... wobbles, but he does fall down. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to find out more information on Agent Wobble, you can go to at Timeline Scav. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, you'll also find us there. Um, you can go to that same at Timeline Scav on Instagram to find us doing uh, a segment that we're probably going to rename in 2022. Uh, currently, it's called The Break Room, uh, but we do some panels and stuff like that from Marvel Comics throughout the ages. James mm-hmm. is doing a lot of like throwbacks, and I'm doing a lot of current stuff. We're kind of, you know, I think working our way almost towards a middle ground at some point. I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. <laughs> which is very fun. Uh, and uh, if you want to hear from the network that we're a part of, you can follow at Scavengers Net for the Scavengers Network. And you can find me personally at Colin M. Parker on Twitter. Now, James, where can people find you? Uh, well, if uh, all your chairs are steadily, firmly on the ground, you can uh, sit down, open your laptop computer, freak everyone in 1931 out, and find me on Twitter in about 70, 80 years at Unabashed James. You can also find Nick Bramald, the gentleman that made the music that you hear at the beginning and end of the show, 
at N Bramald, which is B-R-A-M-A-L-D. And you can also find him on his website, nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. Now, since you're here, I'd like to recommend a little show for you. I would like to recommend something that's uh, basically brand new. Well, okay, the issue is that it came out after some of the other recordings. So it's been out for a minute now, but you're hearing about it now. Uh, so that would be the PodCube RSS feed. So PodCube itself, the company that brought you and us uh, Alabaster's Haberdashery, uh, is now bringing you more glimpses into the past, which is very relevant for us here at Timeline Scavengers as well. So go check out PodCube, and you can find them on our website and also uh, on the internet. Honestly, if you just search PodCube, it's going to be right there. Uh, and so that's my recommendation for you. Uh, that is going to do it for us on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. I kill kings and presidents foist and next dog capitalists. group of out of control totally wild writing rebels do you find that writing about these themes kind of helps you work through that fear or, or grapple with it or understand it better yeah but sometimes we get crazy even though i didn't get to explore it as much as i'd like i've realized that i made something i really like i've had all these kind of half-formed ideas of like stories and so yeah. Now I feel like those stories have a home. Wet Hot American Moon Juice, a NaNoWriMo podcast for all stages of the writing journey. Look, I'm so tired. I know. Time is Time is nothing but words to me now. <laughs> the Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.